Football Talks, the shared passion of the beautiful game. Welcome to Football Talks. Uh, this time around, this for this episode, we're going to have the opinion of David and both Julian on their perspective of the footballing world and how different it is in terms of having like a football son and obviously trying to make sure they keep on going around the football route, basically. Thank you so much, David, for coming onto my podcast and you too as well, Julian. Nice to be here. Um, so, <laughs> so what I'd want to ask, of course, is when you discovered Julian, for example, would be serious about football, how did you go about in obviously pushing on and making sure he actually goes into like the footballing world? Because obviously some people might not really push their children as much or might not enroll their children in various activities for football in terms of pre- preparing them for like the bigger world yeah. of football. Well... I think with, with Julian, he was so obviously uh, a sportsman, you know, a sports boy um, from an early age. And uh, I think I mentioned to you before that, um, you know, he, we, we, we actually kept him away from football for a bit because we knew that was what he <laughs> preferred the most. But it wasn't quite the right time. He was, he was still very young. And we, 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 get, we got him into rugby and tennis because that was a bit easier to deal with at the time. Um, but then, uh, then got him into the local club, and um, to be honest, we didn't. Uh, we knew he was good, um, and but it, then it all was taken out of our hands in many ways because, you know, that first match it was a good match, Julian. I remember it very well. You were running down the, the left wing in in amazing form, and getting quite a few goals. So you did stand out, and. Um, uh, but then, you know, once he was scouted, and it was just this new world of, of academy football, and uh, we tried to inform ourselves and read articles. We knew it, was, it could be, it could lead to a lot of disappointment. It was a huge kind of burden potentially. Um, but it was—he uh, looked so good when he started playing with the academy boys. He just thought, right, he's in his milieu. He's in his—he's in the place where he needs to be. You know. So we just really went along with it, but we tried to keep um, an open mind and tried to be very aware of what the, the pitfalls could be. Um, but yeah, you know, he was a good footballer, even in I mean, your age group, Julian. The first few years, you were yeah, at the top of the group. You know, up, up until under twelves. Yeah, I remember I was, I was, I was one. Of, I was, I think I was like at least in one of the top five, yeah, six players. Yeah, you were at the top of the group for I quite remember, a few years. I remember a tournament where we went to Liverpool. And um, it was uh, sort of around 30, 30 minute matches. I think it might have been 11 or 9 aside there, 11 aside. I can't remember what we played at under 12s. But um, I was I was playing in um, number 10 position, so attacking midfielder. And um, I think I scored around the whole tournament. I, I got around three, four goals and wow. was getting assists and, and playing well. And that was that was at under twelve, so only two years before I got released. So it shows yeah. how much things can happen in a short space of time. Yeah. So we we all went along with it, and it was clear that he was in a good place for you know it was a Premier League academy. We we got to to realise that it had its flaws, and it certainly did. Um, and you get to talk to all the other parents and get a sense of what's going on. You also get to meet other parents from other academies, and you get to compare a little bit how things are run. Um, but it was generally it was good coaching um, and reasonably well organised, although they could have improved it. Um, and it, all for, it was all for free. And what do you do? You know, you're, you're being offered it's professional true. training you know, three times a week 
and a high-level match for free, and kits and and yeah, all the all the um, outfits every year. You know, you know, each year you got a new outfit, and you, you don't say no really. Yes. Yeah, um, but it was obviously then quickly became a huge commitment, and we had to share the journeys because between uh, basically between me, my wife, and my father, we all chipped in. So like one training we did, you know, I do one training, my dad would do my one training, my wife would do. Um, yeah, because it was an hour there, an hour back each time, um, and then I would do most of the matches because it was always great to see him play. Um, so yeah, big commitment, but luckily we were able to do that, as other families can't. Not a huge financial commitment, although they don't help you with the, the travel costs, which we're always a bit annoyed with. Um, but not too much of a financial commitment, just a time commitment, really. Yeah, it's true. That, that goes to my next question. It was like, obviously the family backing is something I think is like, really important, especially in sports like football, because... Like you said, it might not necessarily be financial, but it might be timing-wise as well in terms of away days, training, and obviously some families may not be able to do that. So, Julian, how do you think that obviously impacted you in terms of the football that you were playing? Is it more of the thing that when you were going to it, you remembered, okay, this is the amount of things that my parents are doing for me, so I'm going to be like pushing myself and doing as much as I can, as well as obviously your love for football? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um as I as I got older in I think in, in secondary school under twelves, under thirteens, um, you realise the commitment that your parents are making, you know, having to balance um obviously work and taking me to training and it was definitely a, a big commitment for both of them. But um I don't think there wasn't much of a mindset of oh because because they're taking time out to take me to training, um I have to like uh, work extra hard today or something, but um, you just loved it, and that's what yeah. I wanted you to do. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good because yeah, then you had a natural love for it. And then also, how would you, how would I phrase this? Is for example, like for the disappointment that Julian obviously felt when he got released as a parent. Mm. How did you not oh, really motivate it, him, but I, how did you take it as well? Oh, I took it much worse. <laughs> I mean, it's it's um it's it's well, you obviously yeah, parents have a there's a kind of you know love for children is something you can't quite explain it's it's very very profound and um you, you know and having spent so much time following him through this kind of career path um he he knows but you know i'm, I'm a bit of a, a emotional guy sometimes and I, I certainly let it all out but um uh i was concerned that he didn't and i i think he's been very very honest about saying that it hit him slowly and that um he didn't really know what what the full impact was until later on. Um, I kind of sensed what a big change this was and, and, and I, I was very upset. Um, but it was, it was really hard because, um, as Julian also said in answering you, he, um, he did fall out of love with the, the idea of doing things at a professional level. Um, I think he was never going to fall in love fall out of love with football as a game um, but he did lose that will to think he could be a professional or wanted to be a professional um, and that was hard because I had to we had well we both had to my wife and I had to try and understand where he was and what he really wanted because in the end and this remains the case Julian can do whatever he wants yeah but it's this fact that he clearly had 
and has a talent that could translate into being a professional footballer that you, makes you feel that you've got to have every possibility of that being the case if if you can so um you know we we had this period whereby we agreed that he should have a you know just have a, some fun with his local another local club again um but then i for, actually from the coach from that local club the first time i met him he said well why don't you consider nigel james and so that happened quite quickly after him getting back into football after the first lockdown and uh, and we had to do it very tentatively you know Julian didn't really want to get moving with it at first we said just don't worry about it just try it out and if you don't want to do it you don't have to and I remember having to tell Nigel James and the admin there you know can we just try it out and see how it goes but they are also used to all this and uh, Nigel James I think it didn't actually happen but he was in, in a there was going to be a television documentary made about released boys and he was going to be part of it i don't know if it's gone ahead yet i think it has yeah yeah um, panorama be because it's a big issue um and and also you know he's got some really good footballers in his in his academy and you realize what a close run thing it is there's a lot of really talented boys and you don't really know why certain ones go ahead and go forward it's not always about talent it's it's also about luck it's also about prejudice yeah. and what coaches think are the co the players that they want or the kind of game that they want um you know julian's game isn't such a physical game it's a very intelligent um uh, all-round football game and but that wasn't always what they wanted you know yeah it's true and also before prior to his release especially you as a parent did the club ever hint it on you or did they just drop no. it out of nowhere and no and it becomes you have to read so much into everything they it becomes it's a it's a secretive world really the academy world um there's some really nice people in it and there's you know there's i've i've met i've made good relationships with nearly all the coaches i think they genuinely do care for the boys um but the problem is that there's a is a fundamental conflict of interest. It's on one part an educational institution and another part um, a, a major business. And they try and tell you that they're just the educational institution, that they're there for the best interests of the boys and that they want to help them um, improve as footballers. But it's not the case. They have a conflict of interest, which is that they want to make money um, out of successful footballers and they need to decide who those successful footballers are going to be and um, they when they realize that, that one of them isn't one of those boys they they are no they no longer have a commercial value and you know unfortunately they they are let go in ways that are much better than they used to be so there, I, I did there was support there's a lot of communication that Julian doesn't know about between me and the coaches in that whole period of the release. I also contacted the Premier League directly and had conversations with the Premier League. So there is support and there are mechanisms. There is tick boxing, as it were, but there are also genuine people who want to help. There were also genuine people who did not want to help. And I contacted his, his or, you know, people who had been involved in his initial signing, and they re you could sense the, the unease in them. As, we, as I explained the situation, they, they weren't really available anymore to help out, and that was quite sad. Yeah, that is extremely disappointing, especially, like Julian said, he didn't feel after the first two months there wasn't really much of a support, so I guess you shared that same 
viewers him as after the first while. Yeah, I think the individuals wanted to do their best. So the, the people we were in contact with in terms of the coaches at Crystal Palace, they wanted to do their best for Julian. But the system itself is not geared up to care for boys that they no longer need. Um, so they don't really, because they, as Julian says, they just get on with caring about the boys that they've they've got in their in their groups. A lot of whom won't go on to be professionals, but they need them to be in the group to get the team together to to then basically it's like a system with a, like an iceberg. They need the whole iceberg to make sure that the top gets through, um, and that's quite a sad reality as well. But um, yeah, that's at the top at the top level of the game. The, the the best thing to understand is that the game is so much bigger, and that there are, as June says, there are lots of different levels. So that iceberg does get used, as it were. <laughs> yeah. But um, as far as the Premier League clubs are concerned, they want the tip. Yeah, and I guess it's a situation which, especially with the Premier League clubs, if it's easier for them, it would have been better for them to probably tell these young people, especially if they're getting released, like. It isn't the end of the world at the end of the day. There are other, obviously, avenues and ways to get into a football and obviously become a football professional. It's not only academies yeah. that can obviously be, but I guess yes. they don't really do, and that's why... There could are. and should have been more of that going on. There, there should be, like, release workshops, yeah. really. And they didn't have that. You just had a few conversations, and you'd ask questions, and they'd give you a few answers. But th th there was nothing that was really preparing you for what was still possible in football. And that, that annoyed me. And and also, um, you know, the football world is is you know it, it's it's known very well clearly to people who really work in it, but it's not that obvious to people who don't work in it. Um, and uh, you know, I think the parents have a very important interest in it all and should be prepared for what are still possibilities for their children to move on and 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 hopefully still work in football. Yeah, like you were saying earlier, in which you went the extra mile to. I think you said the voluntary scheme. Uh, you yourself you joined. Is it like a coach? And could you elaborate? Oh, yeah. Yes, it was just no. It was just a parent representative thing. Okay. I just uh, basically I I could smell a rat for about at least the, the year before he was released, um, and I, I knew that we were moving towards a release situation. Oh really? Um, and although I don't think Julian realised, and I was. You know, I, I was busy trying to make, keep his motivational levels up. There would be moments when he didn't want to train, and you could see that some of the motivation was ebbing away. And I'd kind of say, "Well, look, you know, it's a good idea because it will still put you in good stead with the club." And, but it was getting hard, and I decided to put myself forward as a parent rep because they just started a system of, of actually having representatives among the parents, which was never the case beforehand. Crystal Palace were preparing to become a, a Category One academy at the time, so that's probably why that happened um, and that w really was just a political move on my part to be more involved in the club hoping that it might make it harder for them to release Julian but it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, during his release as well did they or do you ever f think that you got like an adequate reason as to why they released him or was it just they won't tell you yeah. really I mean they 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 made it clear they, they the conversations moved more around a loss of confidence in Julian, that, that he had lost his confidence as well, and that he needed something to to um, build his confidence again, um, which in some ways was true, but it's a two-way process. Yes, true. And that's what I think was unfair on their part. They weren't admitting that they'd also slowly um, taken out the 
genuine support uh, of putting him in the right positions, giving him enough play, uh, game time, uh, focusing on his weaknesses and making them and, and covering them and improving his skills. And and that there is a decision I think, as Julian says earlier on, in which they decide I you know that this boy probably isn't going to make it, but they stay with the boy because of for various reasons. Um, because of the team that they need, because of him supporting other players, uh, until the point then comes when they just basically they said that the senior management, they, they, you know, the, the coach, the senior coach said that he didn't want to release Julian, but the senior management said they had to cut their numbers and bring new boys in, and and, and he said he felt that he was forced to choose people. I mean, which might also be true in some ways, um, but they don't really tell you what's really going on because of this conflict of interest. They can't. Um, once the boy, a, a boy, is no longer of the value he could have had before, um, the pressure comes off, and the and the investment comes off, and they they basically don't they won't they won't tell you there. Me, of course, and it, like you said, it's obviously difficult on the person, the boy um, themselves, to obviously find that motivation when they're getting played out of position at, at the same time, limited minutes, especially yeah. at a young yes. age. It kind of yeah. halts your development in the position you actually want to be in, and then yeah. it just comes into like in time with l loss of motivation. And obviously, the clubs do know that, but I guess they just hold on to it as a reason as to why they have yeah, to you, let go. You, you get a um, a negative spiral, basically, of 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 self what they call self fulfilling prophecy. You know, yeah, everyone starts to think, "Oh, I'm not. He might not make it," and then they they act that out, as it were, and not possibly unconsciously. Um, but it does happen. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's 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 quite. The, the other thing is that he, Crystal Palace was quite a tough environment for Julian in terms of the, the types of boys that were there. Very very, um, uh, you know, quite egocentric boys at times. Boys that were very convinced about their own uh, brilliance as footballers, um, and th th there wasn't much of a real team building atmosphere, collegiate atmosphere. And that was a pity. And it, I think for more sensitive players, and I think I count Julian as one of those, they can get a bit lost in that. And, and it, it means it requires a more sensitive form of coaching to actually recognize how motivation works and how young. And if I could just say yeah. quickly, that only, that only actually happened with one coach I had throughout my whole, um, throughout the whole six years I was there. And I, I get I get two coaches each each year. I get a main coach and assistant coach. And throughout the whole six years, there was only one coach who, um, in under thirteens, my assistant coach was called Aziz. I remember him very well. And um, he was my only coach that sort of um, came on with that sensitive side and like actually understanding the players that he had. And he actually like took me under his wing for that for that section and tried to actually improve me throughout that year. But it was the only time that happened throughout throughout the whole six year period. Yeah, that's yeah, it's interesting to see because obviously you, you get situations like this even in professional football in which the players obviously you can't treat the same every player the same and some players obviously need that arm around the shoulder and it's obviously a bit of a shock that they know this in prof it's professional footballers that have made a big time even in Premier League still suffer it. Never mind young players who are, are trying to obviously make that grade. And there's a sense of 
if they want to obviously make them progress, then surely they should actually cater to their needs in a certain extent. Like you mm. would obviously need that kind of arm around the shoulder and yeah, to keep on motivating players, which I think they obviously need to look at. And I think that's the things with academies is like more general, general in terms of, okay, we like this one or we don't like this one. Not, okay, how are we going to improve this one? Or what did, does this person actually need to reach the top? Because at the end of the day, everyone does have a, a high potential. It's just how you nurture the talent. Exactly, and I guess yeah, and that's the thing to really believe in. You know, there, there are different types of boys who, who could have a, an equally valid talent, and you've got to understand the boy and and how they how best to to make them shine. You know, it's it's, it's an educational thing to do, and that's why the, the, the fundamental problem is this this conflict of interest between the educational values and the commercial values. Yeah, that's so true. So it's, it's it's a problem. And but I mean, I I must say, and you know, because this is clearly something that's going to be listened to, that you know, we we had a great time at Crystal Palace. I was very fond of many of the people there, and they did give Julian, a, you know, a wonderful grounding in football. So you know, I, I would never, I, I wouldn't want anything to be misconstrued. They they were a good academy, um, but it's the whole system that suffers from fundamental issues of how to. Um, respond to boys as individuals and that's the problem and yeah obviously as a parent David how would you especially when like you said earlier beforehand when we spoke it's like you weren't really like a footballing person so how <laughs> did you <laughs> how no. did you yourself obviously make that transition as well to yeah, kind of like knows football? it very well <laughs> he, he continues to, to to tease me about my lack of knowledge of football <laughs> um, well I was I've been in education so uh, and that's helped me understand that whatever person you have in front of you has um, uh, has potential and has talent and has interest and has passions, and you you forget about who you are. You try and find out who the person is. Um, and as soon as it was clear that um, Julian loved football, really just loved, he just was. And one thing that Julian won't quite understand is. You know, when he had this horrible period of being released um, and wasn't playing football, um, you could the moments when he did start playing football again, his mood would change, and you could just read how you know, he needed this thing in his life. So, because of that, I I needed I needed him to be happy, and I needed to know more about football <laughs> as a result. And I think that still happens now, actually. Um, yeah. If I, I have this one training session a week that I do with my schoolmates and their Sunday league club, I just I play, I go for like a kickabout for an hour. And if I've sort of had like a, a bad day at school or like um, I'm, I'm tired or not really feeling motivated to do anything. And, um, and I'm, I'm every time after that training session, um, I can just sense that I'm a lot more happy and I want mm. to be around people and a lot more social. So yeah, that's definitely something that football does to people that love the game. Yeah. And of course, I, I watched so many matches. Um, I began to understand football much better and appreciate it. And, and to be honest, I've, I've, I'm very, very fond of youth football. I, I, I love seeing young boys um, being so free on the pitch. And I think it's a pity when they become less free. And I think uh, that is also an issue when, when you know, obviously for, for good reasons, the, the, players are forced to become much more regulated and, and disciplined. Yeah, yeah it's true. Like, 
you kind of lose that freedom and you kind of that's when you actually grow up to be mature because now you're now a role model not only just playing for yourself yeah 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 and yeah one final piece of like questions for both of you um as for david what advice would you give especially to parents who maybe know that their child maybe has has a talent or passion for football but aren't fully convinced in terms of trying to obviously help them realize that dream that they have well uh goodness that's quite hard <laughs> i think um we have to accept the sit the, the the this the structure of of youth football as it is in the uk at the moment and it's it could be improved other countries we should be learning from other countries as to how they do things as well um, but you're always going to be up against the fact that football is such a hugely important game um, and an industry if, if seen at that level and that they will it, it comes with a potentially a huge uh, amount of um, sacrifice and, and worry um, once you start considering um, you know your child being involved in it at a very high level um, but I would say that it all has to come down to being realistic about the whole process being very honest with the child not being pushy um, and above all trying to as you have to learn in life uh, teach the child that they their best their best satisfaction will come from knowing that they did things themselves and that they discovered themselves how much they love something. Um, and I think because Julian was so, you know, came from a family that had no interest in football particularly and so loved the game, that was clear from the start. I think the issues can be with families where the fathers are very keen footballers and very interested in football and dream of their sons being footballers. And I think that's where some issues can arise uh, in terms of uh, the boys then trying to live out their dad's dreams. Um, I, th I think that's a problem. Um, I think g generally the academy system is worth trying. It's worth giving it a go um, as long as it's done with a clear head and a sense that it's the child's interests that are most important. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, it's true. Like, not a word there that was wrong. Uh, Julian, what would you give, especially people younger than you and similar ages to you, that one are getting into it or have su suffered disappointments, especially like you, the way you obviously came back and f basically fought for what you believe in and for your passion? Um, well, I think you have to you have to start by understanding what you really want. Um, if if you're playing football regularly and you're not really you're not at the stage where you're not just a, a Sunday league footballer that mostly enjoys playing it for fun, but um, you're also not really good enough to get into an academy yet. You have to understand what, what you want the end goal to be. And um, if you want the end goal to be um, academy football then, or academy or professional football um, in the top four leagues, then by all means, um, yeah, definitely you can work, work hard for it. Um, as long, if you start playing football sort of more and more, um, your your ability will um, just generally get better and better. And um, I think as long as as long as you work hard and and keep keep motivated and um, always focused on the end goal, 
and and try and not get distracted by other other impacts which can definitely happen i mean there's there's boys out there that were talented enough worked hard enough but um sort of got um got their lives taken up by the other aspects or like social life or just by the um the money or the idea of getting a professional contract and then the uh the things that 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 comes with getting a professional contract um it can it can be um demoralizing sometimes so um yeah for boys for boys my age that want to get into academies i think there's there's a a good amount of coaching companies i know around london that are excellent at getting boys back into academies for example the one that i'm at right now with nigel james um and uh yeah i think there's there's a wide range of possibilities you can go all right that's good thank you so much both of you for being on my podcast it's been amazing speaking to both of you and having your <laughs> opinions on it <laughs> and for yeah, julian thanks for having us yeah for yeah, julian it's real pleasure <laughs> yeah julian good luck and just know you have a support thank in you. me whatever club you go to i'll be a supporter <laughs> thank you thank you're you. welcome that's fine. thank you <laughs> thank you very much